everyone, this is Izzy, the founder of the blog and YouTube channel, A Girl's Two Sound Sense. You are currently listening to Sounding Out, the podcast where I speak to friends, from musicians to producers to zine makers and promoters, about their experiences as women and queer femme people in the music industry. As always, please don't forget to give the podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It would be super helpful to help more people hear the podcast, and it will also get me recommended on streaming platforms. In today's episode, I sat down with author, musician, blogger, and teacher Jen B. Larson. Larson has shredded in several Chicago-based bands, including Beastie and Swimsuit Edition. Larson teaches at the Chicago High School for the Arts, and she is also a music-based writer who contributes to Victim of Time, PleaseKillMe.com, and 53rd and 3rd. She is currently working on her first book, Hit Girls, which is an anthology of interviews and extensive research focusing on the historical recovery of pioneering women in punk and hardcore scenes throughout several different regions of America. Jen and I chatted about the arduous digging she underwent to complete her book, the wealth of amazing bands she wishes she could have included in the book, and, of course, we had to talk about Bam Bam and the legacy of Tina Bell. But before we get into this episode, I would like to remind my listeners that I am paying for the podcast out of pocket, so if you would like to help me make more episodes and maybe help buy me a coffee, then head on over to my Patreon for unedited episodes of the podcast and more chill conversations with guests outside of the interview process. Those who join my Patreon will get access to patron-only video essays and exclusive voting power for future artists that I cover on my YouTube channel as well. So head on over to patreon.com slash girls2soundsense, that's girl with three R's, to subscribe, And without further ado, let's get right into this episode. Hi. Hi. How How are you? you? I'm good. I had a long day at work, but that's normal. (laughs) So yeah, I turned in a draft. uh, I guess I don't remember what day it was. At this point, it was like over a week ago. And then the editor emailed me yesterday and she was like, I can't open this because I sent in a bunch of folders. And she was like, can you put it in one document? And I was like, yeah. And so I did that yesterday and it was so satisfying to like put it all into one, like one Google doc. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Um, what's the, what's the publishing house again? What's it called? It's a uh, feral house, feral house. I don't know much about their background. Are they independent or... Yeah, they're an independent publisher and um, they do a lot of boundary pushing. Um, This guy named Adam Parfi started it in the late 80s and uh, now his sister and runs it. And my my editor has worked with him, you know, for a long time. So um, right now they're really looking to they they put out a call for, um, you know, uh, more they, they specifically were asking for like women writing the history of music and things like that, but they're looking for more, you know, marginalized folks to write, you know, histories and things like that. So, um, yeah. Nice. I was wondering if to start off, we could go a little bit back to, um, 
your roots as a music fan and how you initially sort of connected with this whole world? Um, it's interesting um, because I started listening to music when I was a kid. Like I would watch like VH1 specials and stuff. Um, so my sister and I got really into the monkeys. And um, then like one of my uncles was like, oh, the monkeys are dumb. The Beatles are way better. And we were like, I was like, no way. And so then I just, you know, slowly started getting turned on to kind of some like older music. Um, I really liked like 60s, like kind of Baroque pop, garage rock stuff. Um, more mainstream stuff that like I could have access to. I didn't really, you know, I didn't have access to anything that was like super underground. Um, when I was a kid and I felt that made me like weird, um, you know, like some of my peer, like people in school always would, like make fun of me and stuff. Like they'd call me a hippie. Um, <laughs> but um, I started listening to alternative. I really like was really into like alternative music in the nineties, you know, stuff that was on the radio. But then when Napster came out, I started like going to chat rooms and like listening to stuff that I thought was underground, but like wasn't. Um, and then I am a musician. So I just like was playing music and bands and underground circles and uh got way more into like underground stuff just from being a musician I think so I think that's where it comes from that's cool what was um your first band like where was did you you're in Chicago is that correct is that where you're based yeah 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 did you also grow up in the Midwest or did you migrate over there um I'm from Michigan so Chicago is you know a very close big city um, so I came here for college and then just like never left. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's funny cause it's like my first band was like, I joined a band with a bunch of boys in high school and, uh, I played, I think I practiced them like twice and then they kicked me out. <laughs> Wasn't that the same thing that happened to Viv Albertine too? Like she joined like flowers of romance and that was like her band and Sid Vicious was like, yeah, you, you're not good enough to play. You're out. <laughs> like, That's funny. I, that happens to a lot of, a lot of people. Like there'll be like an all girl band. A guy will join. Like I've heard of that happening a lot. I didn't know that story in particular, but um, yeah, I've heard of that kind of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I wrote the first riff. Like I wrote the first riff for our, you know, our first song and everything. And I still got kicked out. So whatever I'm friends band with boys hate yeah, it. <laughs> I don't think I was like punk enough for them like they were into that like just like 90s punk stuff and I like I I feel like I wasn't like I don't know I didn't like wear that style or I don't maybe I don't know what it was but I was also like making out with the lead singer in the band and then maybe he didn't want to make out with me anymore kind of thing I don't know yeah yeah I think a lot of times some of the um best musicians or like best songwriters at least um are people who like don't really have a music background because they're not like thinking too much about it yeah so I I like I love to play with people who like are just starting out in a lot of ways because I think that I don't know they're just like you know they haven't like they don't have like a strict mindset about what they want to do and I think that that's really fun Absolutely. That's why, that's why I love punk so much. It's just like, like, you don't, there was no criteria. You don't have to be like, I don't know, well-versed. Like you don't have to be a prog 
person who like right. was like classically trained and stuff like that. Right. And you could just, you could just start whenever and just make whatever you wanted. And there were no boundaries, which is really cool. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. So I also wanted to ask you where you, um, when you started writing about, about music as well, like how did that pique your interest initially and up to where you are today? It's, it's actually a pretty new thing for me. Um, when my last band broke up, I was really sad cause I was, you know, really invested in it. And, um, we were kind of an all girl band. We kind of had like a dude here and there, like in the band, but, um, you know, it really broke my heart and I was really sad. And I don't know, I'd like gone through a breakup and like, I was just like sad. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I was lonely and sad. And I just started like, um, kind of investigating women of early punk music. And I started a blog and I just started writing about it like cathartically for myself. And I felt connected to it. And I felt like, I felt like I was discovering something about myself in a way. I mean, that sounds probably kind of narcissistic, but I guess all, you know, writers and musicians are kind of narcissistic in general, but, (laughs) um, but I felt like I was connected, you know, I was like making a connection to something outside myself, outside of like my own surroundings. You know, I wasn't feeling my like community in certain ways. I felt like I needed, you know, a, a space that I, I felt comfortable in, which was kind of just like on the internet with people who, you know, were making music 30, 40 years ago. So I started investigating and then I just started kind of like interviewing people, just, you know, friends of mine had, had, uh, blogs and websites and like would ask them, like they would enlist me to do things. And I'd be like, okay. And I didn't know what I was doing with this book. I literally, I didn't know what I was doing. Like my early interviews, especially, I'm just like, wow, these are really bad. Um, (laughs) but I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty new within the last couple like three or four years. Um, and just kind of been a hobby. Um, I don't, I have a day job, so I do it in my own time. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely relate, you know, like you're, you, when you start out, you're just like, you just have to do it. You just have to throw whatever at the wall, but I'm really glad you are because I remember like early June when I started investigating stuff about Tina Bell and stuff like that, like the CBS segment wasn't airing like the, the, there was no Wikipedia page. Like you were like your article on please kill me was like, and, and Scott Ledgerwood's like little archive site was, were like the only few things. Yes. And, and, and a KEXP sound and vision segment. like three things that I could substantially find on her. Yeah. Um, that was so interesting because a real, a friend of mine, she actually has the Instagram, uh, Shebop. I'm, I'm, you probably follow her. She's an insane, um, record collection. Um, she kind of, you know, she's been like giving me tips and, you know, just, I've been learning so much from her and she had mentioned Bam Bam, um, to me. And she was like, there's this band like no one's really ever heard of. And when I started investigating it, I, it was, I was just like, this is crazy. Like, and it's also, it's, you know, it's bananas that this Wikipedia page was taken down and I contacted Scotty and he was like, so thrilled to talk to me. And I just pitched it to please kill me. And I just feel like it's kind of snowballed since then, which is incredible. Um, that made me feel like I did something cool. I don't know. Or I was part of something cool. You know, I mean, I didn't do anything. I just kind of like, you know, a lot of this work I think is 
listening to people, reading things and kind of putting things together. It's like a synthesis. It's like an organ organizing. Um, I don't, I'm not creating anything new. I'm just like organizing it and sharing it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And thank, and also like, thank God that, um, a bunch of like the stuff that you do organize did exist before. Like, even though it takes some digging to find it, like, um, you're just continuing to do the work to push it forward and make sure that it doesn't diminish as well. Yeah. Yeah. And Scotty did an amazing job. Like his whole archive, you know, was incredible. Once I landed upon that, you know, and he's, you know, he's continued to keep that up. Um, so he's, you know, done such a service to the band's legacy and to Tina. Um, so. Yeah. I'm not sure how much you're allowed to reveal. Like, I don't know if you're under a contract or anything, but, um, uh, <laughs> if, um, you want, I was wondering if you wanted to tell me a few of your favorite things you turned over when you were doing your research for the book. It's funny. Cause I feel like, I feel like sometimes I, I feel like there's something that I'm thinking about that I, I, I can't conjure right now. I mean, there's so many, um, I went region by region and each region has their own gems. Um, and you wouldn't, you would not believe how many bands that I couldn't even include, you know? So it's, it's pretty incredible. I have a whole spreadsheet of bands from each region that I couldn't even include. And I think that that's pretty incredible. Um, and there's probably more that I don't even know about. And these are just bands that were recorded or, you know, that there is information about them. So it's, it's been pretty awesome to see how many bands like from the Midwest that so many people have never heard of um, that I've written about on the coast. I think a lot of them are a lot more well-known, but I think I at least have a couple that people might be surprised to learn about. Um, I would say one of the really cool ones um, from like LA is a band called backstage pass um, who you, you may have heard of if you're, you know, kind of in this world, but they were, you know, in, on the scene, they were friends with like all the go-go's and like, you know, all, all of those bands from that scene. But like, even before that, they were like groupies, they were going to, you know, like kink shows and, uh, I think like, doc, like Dr. Feelgood and, you know, all sorts of bands. Like, I think there was just like no band that they couldn't get backstage for. And that's kind of where their name came from. Um, but they were just friends with everybody on the scene. And I, they, they, the recordings from that time period, like the bandmates will kind of all say this. They're like, oh, those are so sloppy. Their songs are so good and so catchy and so fun. And I feel like they were, they're a, they're a gem um, from, from the LA area. They're a good one. I'm kind of looking through a list right now. Um, I, there's so many, it's like, I could go on <laughs> and on about so many of them. Um, so that was one of my favorites. I think I, re I really connect with all the Midwest bands just being from the Midwest because I think the Midwest gets swept, swept under the rug in general. So I really, really connected with a lot of those bands. There's so many I could name right now, but um, there's a band called Chai Pig that I, I loved a lot. They were like one of my favorite bands even going into the project. Um, they were good friends with like Devo. Um, they even like did a song with Mark Mothersbaugh and uh their music is so cool and great. And I don't know. <laughs> I could go on, I think, about a lot of this. But I, yeah, I don't know how much I should reveal. There's so many like fun things to find in here, I think. Um, 
Feral House hasn't given me direction on what I can and can't talk about. The book isn't coming out until August 2022. So. That's really cool. How do you, how do you, what was that? The name, was it Chai Pig? How do you spell that? Um, C-H-I dash P-I-G. Oh, so just Chai dash P-I-G. Okay, cool. There's another artist with that name, some guy. Um, which is strange. So you might find them. So if you look up like Akron, um, try pig there, you could probably find it better that way. Akron, Ohio. Yeah. Cool. I will do that later. Um, I also wanted to ask you about what you initially, I guess I asked you about the writing for a, um, but I was also wondering if you can remember the first moment that you sort of like, what, what would you say was one of the seminal moments that sort of snowballed into where we are now, like digesting the historical information? Okay. I think, okay. So when, so when I was, I formed a band that was like, you know, like all, all women um, in like 2011. And there were a, like a lot of our influences were like, the wipers and blur and like, you know, just the kinks or like the zombies and things like that. But everybody who would come to see us always would have to compare us to women, you know? And, um, you know, it was like, I, what I, one I really liked was we were the evil go-go's. Um, but it was always the Donna's or we're like Sleater Kinney or everybody called us riot girl. And there was like this kind of pervasive idea that riot girl was the first time women were playing punk music. And I feel like that was just like a common understanding that people have. Like when you say women in punk, they think riot girl. And I, you know, once I started really thinking about it and realizing how many women were actually like integrated and just like working, um, in parody with, you know, their male counterparts in like the seventies and eighties and punk music, it was just kind of like this, like, my, it was just like this, wait a second, there is this whole history. And there were all these women that were, you know, breaking down these walls and, you know, pushing against norms and pushing boundaries way before the late eighties, early nineties. So, and, you know, just realizing that women were, you know, working equally with, with guys in punk music. And that was one of the first times that women really were doing that in, you know, in, in music. Um, there were women playing music obviously before that, but, you know, a lot of times it was like, they were either just like doing beautiful kind of like acoustic music, or they were like the singer of a, you know, a classic rock band or, you know, things like that, where they, they didn't really have as much, uh, you know, the equality like in, within the group. Um, but punk music is really where women started to just be like, you know, kind of taking, uh, taking up more space. And that was in the seventies and eighties, not, you know, in the, in the nineties, like, I think a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, a lot of people think. Definitely. I feel like, and I feel like that's a very common, um, sort of revision of history, especially Mm -hmm. in music, because, the women, because the women were there, they were working, like you said, in parody with their male counterparts. And, but people don't really talk about that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know. I, I, 
I feel like there's so many elements that go into that problem, like whether it be us, whether it be structural or also just, um, I don't know, institutional or anything else. Like, um, because also the fact that people, like you said, people think Riot Girl was when <laughs> that was when punk started with women. And like that took place in Washington state. That's where hearts from like what an insult that is like can you imagine just like and also but yeah I'm rambling anyway well, but it's it's interesting because it's like I knew the go I knew the go-go's and you know it's like I knew of like Patty Smith and you know I knew of Debbie Harry but I wasn't equating them with punk as much and I think with the Go-Go's it's like they were a pop band to me and with Blondie it's like they were a new wave band and with Patti Smith people called her the punk queen but she felt still like part of the kind of like beat generation of the hippie era um and I think she has you know I think I think it's so hard to classify anything as just straight punk and so one of the things I did when I was creating these lists and when I and especially when I talked to a lot of the artists is um try to figure out it's sort of like a delineation or like you know like there's so few bands that are actually just like punk, right? Like there's art punk and there's dance punk and there's kind of like, there's rock and roll punk or like there's no wave. And there's, you know, there's so many different kind of like Venn diagrams that come together with Mm. genres. So I think that the idea that like punk quote unquote, like what I thought punk was, was like, um, I don't know, like some 41 or like, I knew that like Green Day was like pop, but it was like pop punk, but it was like, that was still like punk to me. Cause I was like a little kid and I thought they were punk. And I thought that like rancid, no effects, MXPX, like that was punk, you know? And then I started to realize like, oh, okay. So there's the Ramones and there's the Sex Pistols. And then I started to think, you know, realize there was, there was the Damned and like bands like that. And those became like punk to me. So it was like really hard to kind of think about what, you know, it was like, I don't know. I guess it was just like, if there were women who were playing punk, it was like the women playing punk, but it wasn't even like the go-go's. I didn't realize that they were even in the punk scene until I read like, please, the please kill me book. I was like, Oh, you know, and started piecing it together. Um, But so it's really interesting because it's like, I knew of some of those bands, but I would have, I didn't realize how much like just kind of like the underground scene, like how involved they were and different women had different opinions about it. Like different women were like, yeah, no, we were equal. No one cared. And then there's other people who kind of were like, no, we were still treated like shit, you know? Mm. And so there, there's so many different viewpoints on it that it's hard to, um, I don't know, like, um, generalize like how women felt about those experiences too. It's like pretty much impossible because different women had different, um, attitudes toward it. And also like, they just interacted differently with, with with the fact that there are women like with their own gender you know like some mm-hmm. w- some reject the idea of their gender like no i'm not any different i'm just a person who plays music and then there's other you know women like even like even the how the go-go's or like you know debbie harry is it's like they sort of like embrace their femininity and kind of and debbie harry talks about this in her book a bit is she just embraced her femininity to kind of like use it as like it was it made her powerful you know so yeah. it's i'm rambling now but that's kind of where the your, your thought took me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's an excellent point. I feel like it's a very nuanced and complex like issue that depends on the individual and also on the context of the culture that they were surrounded by, you know? Yeah. 
Yes, for sure. And I think it is a little bit different in different areas. And I think that there's, there's areas like, cause I feel like the, like, I would say LA and, you know, like New York and even San Francisco, but I would say more so LA and New York. I feel like those scenes were, um, they were like, they were communities in a lot of ways, but there were other places where they like weren't, or like they had pockets of communities that were separate. Like something really interesting to me was like a lot of the women in Chicago and like Detroit, like didn't know about the other bands with women in them. Or maybe they did, but they just kind of were like, oh, I don't know who they are. Um, but that, I, I think that they were kind of separated in that way. Like they would be like the only band with women in their scene or like they'd be like, or like, do you know what I, do you know what I mean? It was really yeah. weird because like in like the no wave scene and then like in LA, it's like, they're all friends with each other. They're all still friends with each other. Um, so it's really, it's really interesting. Definitely. Yeah. And there's also like, I feel like, when you think about especially the feminist historical recovery aspect of it, I'm curious to know, were there any emotional moments that you had when having a conversation with somebody or, um, or overwhelming like sort of um, states you found yourself in when you were like in the process of compiling all this research? You know, that's interesting. I don't know. I don't think so. The conversations I had were really like, fun. I felt like I was talking to a a friend a lot of times. Um, I felt like I was talking sometimes like my future self, or I was like having someone who's like giving me advice in a lot of ways. Um, I think the thing that was overwhelming for me was just the like process or just like this idea of like making sure that I'm like telling people's stories accurately because I'm telling other people's stories, you know, it's like making sure that I'm telling other people's stories accurately and just the sheer amount of artists there are and just trying to like, you know, I had to at some point narrow it down. I had to have some sort of like criteria for inclusion and that kind of thing I think was pretty overwhelming for me. Um, yeah. But like, I think on a personal level, when I was talking to people, it felt very natural. Um, I got really nervous. I really did. I get really, really really nervous to talk on the phone with some people. So it's like, I would be like really anxious about it. And, you know, there was, there was a lot of people where I felt like I didn't ask great questions or I just like, didn't do a good interview. There were some times where I just went into it really naturally. And I like barely had any questions. Um, Cause really what I was trying to do is capture their voice, mm. um, capture what they were saying, because I want, wanted to use their words in the bio as much as possible. Um, so I didn't want to ask super obscure things. I wanted to just kind of like get a, you know, a just get, get their experience in their own words. Um, but yeah, I would get really freaked out sometimes like call people and there's, there are certain people who intimidate me <laughs> a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I got really excited when I saw that you wrote, um, something about, uh, Jane County. Cause I feel like, um, if we're talking about people who were sort of, I guess, lost to time in history, I feel like she was um, one of the people who should have, like, she pretty much carried, like, the whole pioneering CBGBs and Max's Kansas City culture on her back. And, like, a lot of people sort of mined her for ideas. Yes. And, you know, she's pretty vocal about it, too. She's kind of like, 
I think she said something about Bowie, just like, you know, like he pretty much, you know, got so many, like, I mean, she really appreciates him and she, you know, she cared for him and stuff, but I think she's just kind of like, you know, that, that he, he took so many ideas from, from me or, you know, that kind of thing. I don't want to like misquote her, but, you know, I think like the whole kind of glam rock and some of the styles and things like that from glam or like even like something, I think that that's pretty obvious, but like something that I didn't realize is that like Gigi Allen was like, you know, kind of a product of Jane County's work, Hmm. which is a really interesting one. Um, But yeah, like, and what's so interesting, she started so early, like, um, so she was like rock and roll, you know, and she considers herself rock and roll for sure. Um, And rock and roll and punk have a lot in common. That's for sure. I yeah. want to say her first band was in the like night, like started in like 1970. If I like Queen Elizabeth was, I think, yeah. ni- I think 1970. So that's that's really early. Yeah. I think that she's she's because I like marked all of them by kind of like their starting date, and so she would be the earliest one. Yeah, and I think um she also said her, I think her book is. I don't know if her book has already been reissued yet or something, but it's, it was very hard to find and very like obscure. So I'm glad it's being reissued. I am too. And I got it on Kindle and then it's not on Kindle anymore. I had like saved all of these quotes from it. I'm like, I didn't know Kindle worked like that. Cause that was like, like, honestly, I would have had to pay like $300 for it. And I had a friend who said I could borrow it, but then realized how much it was worth. And then like, didn't want me to borrow it anymore. Yeah. I read the whole thing on Kindle and um, yeah, I went back to look for it like a couple days ago or a couple weeks ago or something. And uh, it was gone. Yeah. <laughs> but it was good. It was, I, I, it was one of those books where I just read it all the way through. Like I read it in a weekend or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. It's uh, how many pages is it? I don't know. Like, I don't yeah. remember because it was on Kindle. I don't know if it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I want to say it was at least 10, 13 chapters, but that, you know, that brings me to someone I actually didn't include, but kind of like, maybe if there's a second edition would probably be included as someone as cherry vanilla. Oh, yes. Um, I love cherry vanilla. Go on. Yeah. No, you go on. Cause I actually don't actually know too much about her, but I do believe that she should be getting a lot more credit. Um, I know Alice bag was like obsessed with cher- cherry vanilla, like, yes. you know, way be- before she started the bags and all that kind of stuff. So oh, yeah, like she was very business savvy. Like she knew mm-hmm. exactly what she was doing. Like she worked in like management and stuff like that. And then she sort of, um, and I love her but I just love how like what she was just doing all this pioneering work while Debbie Harry and Patty Smith were still like working nine to fives, you know? Um, right. Right. But not a lot of people know who she is, which. Right. Yeah. Unfortunate. Yeah. It's like one of those things where I was like, at the end, I was like, I was like, I feel like I should include her. I think that would actually be so important. And I'm kind of, it's one of those things where I'm like, I think I should, but I also think my editor really wants to do a second edition. All right. So I think it, it, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make that happen. I don't know. I feel like whenever we discover these very important figures that were sort of lost to time, like it's so hard to access anything about them, which really sucks. You have to do more digging than you have can ever imagine, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the reason for this book, you know, cause you know, like, even though there's a lot of, a lot of this stuff, like you can find it on the internet, but it's like, 
I, you know, you have to do a lot of work in order to find all of it and to like piece it together. And, you know, um, I think that's like the reason for it. It's like, I've had to, I've had to be like, okay, why am I writing? I mean, obviously I know it's important, but like, obviously, like, I think when you're writing something, you get like really deep into it. You're just like, okay, am I doing, is this important? Like, yes, it is. And a lot of people have said that to me. They're like, this is really important. And I like, I don't know. I always second guess myself, you know, you know how it is, but like, I, uh, I I think the reason it's important is that it's like in one spot and it's not to say there aren't other books like this. Um, I have a lot of other books, you know, I have a, I have like, I have a shelf right here actually. Um, So let me look. So I have a book called rock and roll woman. And then there's another one that's women who rock and they have a lot of different genres. And so the punk, the punk era is limited, right? It's like, it's, it's really limited to some of the, kind of artists we were mentioning earlier, like the Go-Go's and Patti Smith. And I didn't include a lot of those um, people. I didn't include the Go-Go's, Patti Smith, the Runaways. Um, I didn't even include Poison Ivy of the Cramps or Eggzine because they have a lot of coverage. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know them. You've you've heard them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I feel like the two, the people that I included that probably have the, that have the most amount of coverage that are in this book are Alice Bag, Lydia Lunch, and Penelope Houston. I mean, there's some that, you know, but like they aren't getting included in those, books. a lot of them aren't getting included in those books. I think Alice Bag was in one of them, but like, um, there was another book that was just, uh, put out. Let me find it. It's just called punk. It's just called punk women. Um, which why am I blanking on the guy's name? David and Eximer. And, and I don't know how to say his name, but I have another book of his. He has, he's written a lot. He wrote Left of the Dial. He wrote um, something else that I have that my brain hates me when I try to remember things, but whatever. <laughs> um, but he just put one out and we cover a lot of the same artists, but he goes into the nineties and stuff. And so, and then I, I also found another one that I had never heard of called Cinderella's Big Score, um, which, you know, it's when I look through these, it, like the first thing I do is I look and see who's featured. and it's not like we're repeating tons of bands, you know? So I think that what's important is kind of having a focus and like, you know, um, containing it. And so, oh my gosh, that book is right here. Punk woman. Um, so, you know, containing it in somebody, I think that what I'm containing is in, are the years like 75 to 83. When I first pitched it, I had this idea that I was going to go talk about women all over the globe. Um, and it was too much. And my editor thought I was going to go through like the early nineties. And then I, I had to talk to her and be like, no, I can only go through this era in America, in North America. I actually have like one or two Canadian bands in there, but, um, you know, I can only do this much because there's so many it's, it's bonkers to me to realize how many people were playing punk music this time. It's like, I had no idea. Like I have these like compilations where it's just like, you know, punk from 75 to 89 or 77 to 89, there's like 13 discs hmm. from all over the globe. And like, I know like five bands on each disc, you know, like that's, that's, that's how um, deep the subject goes. It's kind of never, it's like never ending. It's like this endless discovery. That is insane. Yeah. Like I can't imagine like, the book would probably be like, I don't know, this tall, like if you had included like everything you wanted to, you know, 
Yeah. I would never finish it. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. Like the reality is I would never finish it. Yeah. I, I mean, I had to cut things at the last second that I wanted to include, yeah. you know, I don't know if that for the audio people, I just held up a lamp that's like <laughs> too long, like to illustrate my point, but yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, I mean, it was like, I, yeah, I definitely couldn't, I, I, I had to contain it, you know, in some way, but it's like, I like, I, I was trying to write the intro at one point and I had a, I had like a little quip that might not go in there, but it was like, I was just like, but how could they be contained? <laughs> you know, like it, it's like this topic that is like boundary pushing is all over the place, but it's like, I'm, you know, you're trying to put it into it. I'm not trying to put these artists into a box, but they're going in a little, they're kind of going in the box, you know? And there, I think that that was one of the things I had to fight with myself about is like being, you know, like putting categorizing, categorizing people by their gender or categorizing people by their sex or their gender or whatever it is, you know, um, by the time period, by a genre, you know, when it's like, you know, I talked to Lydia lunch at one point, I said something about punk. She was like, I'm not, punk. you know, it's like, you know, she doesn't consider herself punk. She hates punk, but it's like, she's going in the punk women books. So it's like, it's like, there's like a caveat, like, this isn't just punk. This is like adjacent to punk because <coughs> Lydia lunch is so important to like, <clears throat> like the conversation about punk, but she's not punk. She doesn't consider herself a punk, you know, and punk and no wave are parallel. They're not, you know, things that happens like one and then the other It's like, they're parallel. Um, they kind of like mixed at, you know, the, the scenes mixed a bit and some of the bands within each are, you know, in that Venn diagram or whatever, but I had to wrestle with myself about that kind of just like categorizing because categorizing it's like, I'm trying to organize things, but I also hate categorizing things. That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) That's so funny. I I love Lydia Lunch so much. (laughs) I, she's so feisty. I just love how like I, people like people and people just take that as rude, but it's just like, that's just how she is. Like, I don't know. Like I, I don't know. Anyway, I love her. Have you, have you met her? I wish I would love to like, <laughs> I'm going to see her again on Saturday. She's playing in Chicago and it's funny. Cause I, <laughs> I feel like she hates me sometimes, but, um, I think we have a, we have a good time. I'm going to bring her a pack of cigarettes. Cause I bummed some cigarettes from her last time I saw her and I don't smoke. I think I was just really nervous. It was one of those things. And then I realized I was like bumming tons of cigarettes from Lydia lunch. And I was like, oh man. Um, so I'm going to bring her a pack of cigarettes and maybe we'll, you know, have a good time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited for you. That's awesome. Um, I, uh, post quarantine, how has your experience going to gigs been? And how, like, how has it changed? Um, I feel like we're doing a weird dance right now with all of this. And it's just so confusing. It's like, show a vax card, wear a mask. And then you go in and no one has a mask on. And it's like, well, the Delta, and it's just like, there's so much going on. I'm so overwhelmed by it. I don't know how I feel about all of this stuff. Cause it's just so, it's a lot. I'm, I'm also a teacher in a public, in a high school. <laughs> um, and that's a lot with how many people I'm interacting with and all this stuff. And I just keep getting tested a lot and you know I played a show and then I went to it I've only like I played a show and I've been to two shows 
So I'm kind of just like, I don't know. And I just don't want Halloween to get canceled, but I'm also just like, I want everybody to be safe. So I'm just like, I don't know. It's, it's rough. (laughs) Yeah, it is really, oh, it is a weird dance, as you said. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I saw a funny edit someone made of the Lollapalooza poster that just in the lineup said the Delta variant, Delta Delta variant, the Delta variant. Yeah, for sure. Looking at like crowds like that was like really freaky. Um, Definitely. Like when I've been going to shows, like I, I always find the spot in the venue. That's like the best spot that the least people are around. And usually it's a lot of times it's near the front at a lot of these shows. I mean, at, I think at, um, you know, at big festivals like that, obviously the front is not like that, but like at shows that I go to a lot of times people are afraid to be in the front. So I'm kind of like socially distanced by just like being up by the stage. Um, so I've just been doing that. Um, cause you know how like local shows are kind of where it's just like, everybody's like five feet away from the stage and being weird. And they're all crammed in behind. It's just like, okay, well, I'm going to go up here and I don't get breathed on. So and I don't breathe on anyone else. <laughs> that is not what it was like in New York pre-quarantine. Like, if you wanted to get to the front, you had to elbow your way there. Like, even at local shows. Like, it was insane. Like, so that, so that, that might be, like, a Chicago thing. But that's cool. I wish. It I is. Wish. It is a lot. And I agree. In New York, it is a little bit different. And um, it's kind of the way the venues are set up. But there's, like, venues here. Like, there's a venue where I don't totally go to the front all the time there's like this place you can hang back but you get the best view of the stage so like there's some venues like that but people I would I mean it really I mean there are shows where people are wild in Chicago but like there is this kind of thing where it's like I remember playing my first show at the empty bottle and one of my friends who's kind of like a veteran performer here was just like all right if everybody's standing you know with their arms crossed like 10 feet away from the stage it means they love you and I was like okay great <laughs> It can be weird here. I mean, obviously there are a lot of really fun shows, but when we go on, when I went on tour with, you know, when I've gone on tour, I definitely feel like, or even sometimes when I play in different neighborhoods where I don't know anybody, I kind of feel like the crowd gets more into it, which is really weird. I feel like there's sometimes like this hesitation where people kind of are like, I don't know, just being insecure or something. I try to dance when my friends are playing. So I just try to like, you know, have a good time. (laughs) That's kind of what I loved about, um, going to shows pre-quarantine at least. Cause like people weren't like people, like there were so many drunk people that no one would even notice. Like if you just just sort of, you know, um, I guess that's like a location, like, I don't know, maybe cultural setting, but yeah. Um, but that's really cool that you can just go to the front and be like, I'm good. I'm socially distanced. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, just, I, I don't know. I've just been finding these pockets. I mean, I'm going to see, I haven't been to the beat kitchen yet, yet obviously, but you know, the, the, the shows that I went to were actually pretty lit. Like there were a lot of people there, but like there was this weird space. So it was just like, okay, I'm going to go, you know, set my drink on the speaker. <laughs> what are you listening to right now? Like at the moment, like, are you a vinyl person or more of a tape person or a streaming person? Like, um, and like, I don't know what kind of songs or artists or bands do you have in heavy rotation right now? Um, I do all of them. Um, I feel like the bands I've been writing about are in rotation for the most part. Um, I just, let me grab this really quick. 
Um, there's a band from Chicago called uh, Da that I wrote about. And um, I, I think this is, I, I didn't know about this until pretty recently, but the um, singer from the band, Laura Donnelly, had another, um, had another group called Laura Donnelly in the Veil. And I just, I just um, played, I just like finally opened that vinyl. I got it like a month ago and I just was listening to it yesterday. Um, but so I feel like bands that are adjacent to a lot of the bands I'm writing about, but I also, I don't know, like I, the, you know, the, um, 50th anniversary of blue, I was listening to Joni Mitchell, you know, it's like, I'll kind of, you know, listen to other things. I don't listen to really new music very much. (laughs) Same, same. I'm very, but I, I think that it's, it's. If you look for it, it's good to it. You can find good new music, but it's also like, I don't know, as the internet, I don't know, this whole culture and the whole gutting of like how the music industry used to be run because of the internet. Like, it's just so weird. Like, it feels like there's certain artists that get pushed to the forefront and certain artists that are really good, but you're only going to see them covered on Pitchfork. You're never going to see them on Billboard, not even on Rolling Stone. You know, it's weird. Yeah, it can. Yeah, I think there's so many pockets and it's so weird. It's so hard to find. I don't know. I, I take a lot of um, suggestions from my friends when it comes to music. I mean, I decide what I like, d- depending on if I like it or not. But I, I do listen to, you know, my friends suggestions um, a good deal. Um, I don't know. I never know how to answer that question because I'm just like, what was I listening to? I'm like, not even sure. <laughs> it's like I should look and see it. Look at my like recently listen to but um yeah I'll make I've made playlists on Spotify that I'll go back to just kind of like some of my I just listen to like uh Liz Fair Exile and Guyville and Whip Smart like three times in a row last week you know just something that I used to listen to when I was like in high school yeah same I'm obsessed Guyville Fair is untouchable in I know my book yeah I agree. I I actually kind of identify that as my root of like understand like it's not even punk but it's like one of my roots I think because when I discovered her in high school like no one knew her and I like didn't I didn't know what Riot Girl was or anything you know and I uh yeah that was one of those albums I was just like oh my god she's so crass and like she's such a badass (laughs) yes absolutely like I'd never heard anybody talk like that on a record before right right but yeah, I, uh, I don't use Spotify as like social media, like a social media thing. I don't, I didn't know people did that actually. Yeah. And so I, I thought it was private and then I was like, oh wait, people can like, see you get it I'm on doing. your desktop and you see all your friends activity. It's so weird. Like so I'll have to, now that I'm more cognizant of that too, like I'm doing private sessions all the time. Like, even if I'm not embarrassed to listen to a certain musician, just because just it feels invasive, you know? Yeah, it's weird. I think I have my all private. So if you see me playing something, let me know because then I'm going to have to like change my settings because I, I actually would be embarrassed because I listen to a lot of the same things over and over again. And I some I, I listen to my own band sometime on there because I'll just be like, oh, I just want to hear what this sounds like or I can't remember my own lyric or something like that. And I'm just like, I hope no one saw me do that. Oh, your band is on Spotify? What, what's the band? Um, So I actually have three bands that are on Spotify, but um, so my old band, Swimsuit Edition, um, some additions with an A and then my current band B C B E A S T I I. And then I had another band that was kind of just 
we just did a short EP and we're done, but it was called Jen and the Dots. Nice. Um, oh, you know what I listened to over the weekend was the left of the dial dispatches from the eighties underground. That's one of my favorite comps. Oh, nice. Speaking of Dave, Dave E whose last name, I don't actually know how to say. Um, what else? Oh, I've been listening to, <laughs> this is like so embarrassing, but it's also not cause it's awesome. Mm. Um, I've been listening to the Josie and the Pussycat soundtrack nice. a, a lot. Cause I'm doing a cover band <laughs> with, cool. with Shebop Jen. She's playing bass. Nice. So we're doing a, a Josie and the Pussycats cover band. Mm, nice. It, and I'm doing a whole cover band. So I've been like listening to that a lot. And people would probably see me like listen to those songs like a million times. Was Left of the Dial a reference to the Replacements song? It could be. I don't know the Replacements too well, actually. But let me be- look. Because this looks like a lot of like the college yeah. rock sort of culture that the replacements came up, but yeah, the, I'm looking at the playlist right now. That's cool. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, but this was like one of the first, like I discovered this, like in, when I was like 19 or so, I think. And this, I, I knew some of these bands, like I really liked, they might be giants. And like, I like some Sonic youth stuff and I like knew some sugar cubes, but like this, this comp really like set me into that kind of like indie, like eighties indie, you know, vibes i really started to get into that so i was reading um do, have you read our band could be your life no it's one of like the um i would say because you mentioned left of the dial and it reminded me of that one because they document i think it's a chronological telling of like the 80s college rock i should have read i should have read this actually i i didn't know about it but yeah so is there anything you'd like to plug like where people can find you on social media? Yeah, I, I would love for people to follow the um, the Instagram. So here's the thing is right now it's called Conspiracy of Women, which is obviously a Lydia Lunch reference, um, but I'm going to change it to the name of the book um, eventually. So it's kind of hard for me to say, you know, follow Conspiracy of Women. I guess do that now until I change it. It'll The book is going to be called Hit Girls. Nice. Um, uh, so it'll probably be something along those lines, but I would love for people to follow um, the book Instagram. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you can follow my band too, but you know, whatever. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm very excited, um, for the whole cycle to start, like when you start promoting the book and everything, uh, thank you so much for joining me for a chat. For sure. Um, it was uh, great to meet you and I hope we stay in touch. Oh, definitely. Now that I, now that I have your email, I'll definitely, um, hit you up. Um, Wait. And on Instagram too, um, since we've been DMing a lot. So yeah, thank you so much. And um, I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for listening to Sounding Out with Izzy. And a big thank you to Jen B. Larson for joining me in this episode. Remember to subscribe to my YouTube channel. My blog is izzyshutup.com. My Instagram page is at a girl's two sound sense, and my Twitter is at misanthrope I. Make sure to check out my Patreon. I would be so grateful, and you will also be acknowledged in all of my YouTube videos as a thank you. Thank you once again for listening, and I'll catch you all in the next episode.